I've nice. seen all. I've seen Twilight, New Moon, and Eclipse. Ladies and gentlemen, make yourselves comfortable. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill, and I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad uh, About Movie. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. It's showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to movie podcast for all things revolving around the world of cinema. We discuss movie news, movie rumors, and those ever-important movie rumblings, and then we break it on down for the chosen movie of the week. Fret not, spoiler-phobes. We will give you ample warning before we head into that dreaded spoiler territory, and make sure you stick around for the end of the show for our weekly recommends. This week's chosen movie of the week is... David Ayer's... Fury. I started this war killing Germans in Africa. Now I'm killing Germans in Germany. I promised my crew a long time ago I'd keep them alive. He kills you, or you kill him. I need you to perform. I can't do it! Yes, you can. So first movie, guys, that we have talked about from Mr. David Ayer, other than his uh, screenplay gem, SWAT. Ooh, <laughs> which we that... did three hours on. Uh, right. Yeah, we, we lost actually... the file. We did a live read of it, I think. If yeah, exactly. Served. A dramatic reading, more like. Yeah. Uh, it was like a BBC radio play, really. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> you might know, if you're a listener of the of the Mad About Movies podcast weekly, you know by now our obsession with The Fast and the Furious. Yeah. Which comes to us thanks to the work of Mr. David Ayer. So, right. God bless him. It's about time we give him full due. Uh, on this podcast and discuss one of his own films written and directed by David Ayer Fury. And uh, and this was one that I had circled a couple months ago in August uh, when I released my Best Picture nominees predictions list and Fury was on the list. So it was one that we had circled, you know, months ago as a, you know, possible awards contender. And I'm looking forward to talking about this because we will talk about, of course, whether this lived up to our expectations and whether it has the stuff. Yeah. Uh, to compete with the films we've got slotted for the rest of the year. I will say there was way less Samuel L. Jackson in Fury than I than I anticipated. I, I really thought ah. this was <laughs> Before we do that, guys, it would not be a Mad About Movies podcast if we did not talk a little bit of movie news, rumors, and rumbling. Movie news. Yes. Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome. Let the filibustering begin. Richard, this has been your segment for the past few weeks, so have at wow. it, sir. Throw, throw that on me. Well, you know, David Ayer, I'll tie it in. David Ayer is directing a, uh, a DC movie, The Suicide Squad. Are, are any of you familiar with The Suicide Squad? Very, no, in light, actually. It's, uh, oh. Well, it's I'm my Bible idiot. now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. No, uh, uh, no, actually never even heard of it until just Okay, just they're uh, kind of a Guardian style task force. Um, but it's more based here on Earth. Of a raccoon. Okay. Yeah, they don't travel through space, but they're like a, a mi- group of misfits. Uh, however, you're going to be thrilled with this, Brian. There, there's some casting rumors around it. So David oh, Ayer is no. directing this. Uh, the ca- the cast as is rumored right now. Uh, people, these are in talks. Are um, are you ready? I, I am. Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go pros and cons. Okay, we, okay. we've got one in the pros because I like David Ayer. So. We're we're starting off well. Tom Hanks. Oh, two two pros for that one. American Will Treasures Smith. get double bonus. Will Smith. Oh. Oh. Tom Hardy. Okay. We're we're Ryan doing well Gosling. so far. Oh my goodness. 
This is all in one cast. It's in Margot Robbie. I'm I'm bringing this to say, but I, there's no way this cast happens. Yeah, Will Smith it's doesn't just, do that sort of movie. Yeah, yeah, because his character might you might not like him for three seconds, and he yeah he can't. So uh, obviously, I mean, this is DC kind of. I would think pumping. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's almost like. Up. Yeah, that's like being in a fantasy football league with only four teams. Just like, you know, yeah. look at my team. It's just super stacked. And you're like, who the crap is in your league? And they're like, well, yeah. nobody else. Like, that's that's it's just, cool. It's There's just no me. way. Yeah. I you picked know. up DeMarco Murray in the fourth week. <laughs> Wanted to wait and see how the injury thing was going to play out. Uh, I'm just shocked that they're trying to play off the success of Guardians. I mean, DC yeah, I mean, really I, usually never just looks at what other people are doing and tries to do that. <laughs> you know, let's just do that. Totally original, just leading the to way. To be fair, the, the the Guardians leap is is mine. It just seems like a Guardians style property. Maybe it won't be, but it's just kind of a a ragtag task force. But they have ties to the U.S. government, so maybe it's nothing like it. Maybe uh-huh. they listen to their music on an MP3 player instead of a a tape. I don't know. Maybe it's like a Zune. Instead, yeah, <laughs> my stepfather still rocks a Zune proudly. All of his music, well, he doesn't have to worry about it disappearing because who steals a Zune? You, know? <laughs> yeah, you can put it on your dashboard. Oh man, so we uh, have some other casting news okay. here. Uh, Ridley Scott, have you guys seen anything on The Martian, the uh, astronaut movie with uh, Matt Damon? I saw some casting news earlier, I don't remember who I saw, Sean Bean. Sean Bean, that's right. Yes. I remember, like, when is I, when when is he gonna die? So he'll that's die. Yeah, yeah he'll die. Obligatory Sean Bean death comment right. out of the way. <laughs> I was on that early. Now that's like a uh, almost a meme. There's like the new show where it's like with Sean Bean and he like is the lead in the in the actual marketing campaign shows him dying in every movie and goes, but on this show, Sean Bean is gonna live. It's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. cool. Yeah, all right. We'll see. I doubt it. That's so, what I thought with Game of Thrones. Well, after his tragic, uh, actually horrific death in Percy Jackson and the Olympians, the Lightning Thief. <laughs> uh, I mean, gruesome. It, it I just mean, took, they, yeah, yeah. They they you know well, that takes a lot of stuff from ancient eras Percy Jackson films, and they used ancient torture methods right. to kill and his when, character. If you, when Nicolas Cage took out a saw blade and cut off his head in National Treasure, yeah, you know, I was. <laughs> I was offended. That's a re- little bit heavy for. I mean, that's typecasting movie, there. I mean, he's just yeah. being straight up typecast now, and it's. Yeah. it's and they just gave him head. a thousand paper cuts with the Declaration of Independence, <laughs> an original copy. <laughs> um, so we that's have good some, casting, though. Seriously, I, I had Richard. I'm. Have either of you guys read that book? Is that a is that a property you're you're familiar no, with? No, I'm not. I just imagine it's going to be Gravity with Matt Damon, which I'm. I'm cool with. Yeah, I'm good with that. It's been on my list for a long time, and I always find something else to read instead of it. But, so uh, he plays a Martian? or uh, I think he plays just a dude kind of yeah. stuck in space. It's a space survival drama is how it's uh, yeah. built. I believe Sean Bean is playing Mission Control back on Earth. Oh, Come on, Ed Harris. Come on. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing better than Ed, Ed Harris in a booth. I mean, it's just the best. <laughs> It's gonna be my fantasy football team next. You know, Ed Harris has a has a Google alert on his phone set for Mission Control acting gigs <laughs> all day. I I heard he has a like Mission Control style set built in his house so he can just work from yeah. home. It's actually, his bedroom. It's a weird thing. <laughs> yeah, in every movie that needs Mission Control, he's like, I'm in. I'll be there. Calls at nine. All right, I'll wake up at eight fifty five. Strolls in in a robe. 
Okay, so we've got some Halloween, Halloween mo- uh, is coming up, and uh, yeah. So Scream, which there may be an episode on at some point in the future uh, of the Mad About Movies podcast here, but Scream is getting a TV remake. Ah, so Scre- there's going to be a Scream series. Here's the good news: it's on MTV, oh. <laughs> so it has to be good. Yeah, and just because MTV is smart, uh, Ghostface is not involved. Oh. So it's a scream movie without Ghostface. What about Ghostface hmm. Killer? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Mm. The all it's all Fishbone. The entire soundtrack <laughs> from the album Fishbone. Nice, like Ghostface Killer. So I don't understand why you would do a scream movie without the villain. Yeah, right? Wow, make a lot of sense. But yeah. is Drew Barrymore involved? <laughs> what about Nev no? Camp? She just she just totally Courtney Cox's is. weird face. <laughs> She actually is Ghostface now. They've replaced her. <laughs> replaced Ghostface with Courtney Cox's ghoulish plastic surgery face. It's way, way scarier. Yeah. Speaking of weird faces, we have to talk Renee Zellweger before we, before we get too far into this episode and this movie news segment. Some news broke down today. <laughs> Swept the internet, actually. It really did. Like, Twitter um, went crazy. There's apparently a, a psychotic woman out there. <laughs> In the rounds of Hollywood, posing as Renee Zellweger at parties. Looks nothing like her. It's strange. Do you guys um, think at music industry functions, like Jack White and Kenny Chesney walk by each other and just kind of give each other a glance like, dude, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, what were we doing? What we were we doing? What? Yeah. First off, we have nothing in common except for this. <laughs> it's just like this, they just make eye contact and they're both just like, I know. I don't know. <laughs> Forgot about Jack White and her. Wow. Yeah. And then Kenny Chesney and her were married for like, I think, honestly, I think they broke up on their honeymoon. I know that. So that went well. (laughs) He was too busy doing. He probably realized he was, he was marrying Renee Zellweger. Yeah. He's like, uh, well, or it could be the other way around. He took (laughs) off the cowboy hat and she was just like, whoa, whoa, I need, (laughs) I need out of this. Just has dreadlocks or something. I don't know. (laughs) Looks like predator up there. I want to start a blog of country singers without their cowboy hats on. It's a Tumblr or something. In all honesty, what what happened to her? It, that's not that isn't her. Yeah, it, it's I, somebody else. Because Renee Zellweger is honestly a pretty common name. I mean, when you get right down to it, <laughs> it's probably just a big misunderstanding with a different Renee Renee right. Zellweger. Sure, just a I think school so. nurse that got roped in. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like I saw Maybe. Twitter go crazy and I was like, this, okay, this can't be that ridiculous. And then you do a, an image search and it's, no, that can't be <laughs> Like that's, it's not the same person. I love Very that your odd. computer's, your computer is always going to have a Renee Zellweger image search on it. No. I did it Google on my phone now. so I could delete it pretty quickly, you know? Uh, okay. Um, yeah, I think I always well, search maybe- in Twitter because it's easiest to just like, <laughs> nope, I'm done with that. I don't want anybody to know that I search for Renee Zellweger images. <clears throat> Like, does I, uh, she ever get a? Does she ever get another job? Now she just know. be known as that lady with the weird face. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's worked for certain people in the past. Um, you know, she gained a lot of weight for Bridget Jones. So yeah. maybe in Bridget Jones three, she's a burn victim or something. <laughs> and <laughs> like they did when they replaced um, Katie Holmes with Maggie Gyllenhaal in The Dark Knight. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I think. Bridget Zone 3 is about how she stays out in the sun too long and 
her eye puff goes away and she loses a bunch of weight. And Colin Firth still loves her. And uh, that's what I'm hoping Bridget on Threes is about. Yeah, I don't know. She uh, she looking looking tough. She's Never gonna have to go under- away for a while. That's the only way she could do it. Like if well, she leaves well, for three to five she- years and then pops back up, then then you will be like, oh yeah, that's Renee Zellweger. But if she comes well, she out, has like- a f- she got a five years he- five year head start on going away <laughs> for three to five years. Good point. Good point. Hopefully, yeah, last time we talk about her on this show. Not, not trying to shame. Yeah. Not American I, I, Treasure uh, material uh, in the <laughs> yes. slightest. Yeah, m- she's more, piven. more Piven related. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah First female inductee piven. into the Pivens, uh, <laughs> Catherine Heigl or Renee Zellweger. It's oh, Catherine definitely Heigl. Heigl. Yeah, it's yeah, hands down. Heigl's definitely a Piven. I think uh, what's her name? Reese Witherspoon is probably a Piven. Yeah, because she threw the. Do you know? Do you know who I am when she got arrested yeah. for the DUI? Which is always good. I will say this. I've heard I've heard that that was like a a turning point for Reese Witherspoon. Like I've seen a lot of articles lately of of basically like okay, she's a better person than she was at that point. So it's like Brandon Marshall now. Yeah, she's exactly. Gone full. Yeah, well, I'll give her that. But at this point until proven yeah. otherwise, she's a Piven. You Agreed. can you can get out of the Piven Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah. What if Jeremy Piven becomes American Treasure someday? <laughs> Honestly, over my dead happen. body. <laughs> yeah, we take that very seriously. <laughs> well, we should probably stop taking roles where he makes a lot of homophobic jokes and throws cell phones at Asians. But Entourage the movie, guys, we're just like seven months away. Uh, no one's more excited than me. Yeah, I hope you guys, the listeners, I'm talking to the listeners now. I hope you are really excited about the train wreck that is the Entourage movie because Richard talks to us about this on a daily basis. So I am, yeah. I am super stoked for what is to come with, uh, in this this realm. But uh, the listeners need to start getting pumped up now. Can yeah, I can do two hours. I could go to an HBO special right now on just the Entourage movie. Um, <laughs> Ken hasn't ever seen a minute of it. Right, that is it's one of, of my Entourage? two claims to fame. Um, are you going to see the I've movie? I've never seen a a min- more than a minute of Entourage in my life. Have you, are you sure. going to see, gonna see the movie for the podcast? I'm pretty excited about it. I'm, yeah. I'm honestly going to have to go back and watch a few. Uh, no, I take. I back. want you I can't, to watch. I, watch <laughs> I wouldn't get through an episode. I want you to watch like season four of Entourage with no <laughs> context. <laughs> yeah just, exactly it's just the it's so it was like a it was in the zeitgeist early 2000s guys like that was a thing i watched it all the way through i couldn't couldn't put it down hate watch the last five the first season or so is a fine is actually decent but yeah. the last five seasons are brutal and i just had to hate watch it uh man i miss it i'm so excited for the movie i mean at the at the core they're just four guys from brooklyn yeah. so don't forget that They'd go work at the pizza place, and they'd be just as happy. That's the message. They just happen to all live with a movie star. There's literally subplots about, like, Turtle's hat. Yeah. Like, some club will let him wear his hat. I can't even. It's just, it's wonderful. I'm excited. Every time I happen to catch 10 minutes of an episode, I was like, really? We're still talking about Aquaman? Like, I haven't seen this show in two years, and it's still happening here. Very weird. What's your, well, we're your bearing the lead here. What's what's your other claim to fame, Kent? Yeah. Uh, that I'm a host on the Mad About Movies podcast. <laughs> who also hasn't uh, watched more than a minute of Entourage. So, what is pretty exciting life this. I lead. What, so, that's yours, Kent. Brian, do you have like a, a thing you're proud you haven't ever done in your life? 
is there a is there a movie that would shock us that you haven't seen, Brian? Knowing you, the the completest Brian Gill. Is there a movie that you have not seen that is just an obvious one? I have a couple. Uh, I mean, if I like got up pulled up the like AFI top one hundred list, I'm sure there's plenty of films in there that well, I haven't yeah. that I've never seen. But I, you know, I've seen Casa, Casablanca and Citizen Kane and and the the big big movies that everybody kind of goes to. But I'm sure like I'm sure there's as simple spot. as like The Lion King or something, like <laughs> yeah, something that everybody has that. seen that you just never saw. I've never know. seen Titanic. Really? Man, yeah, I and I, I was really proud that I had never seen the number one movie of all time. And then I went and saw Avatar, and then it ended up being <laughs> number one. I was really mad about that. But uh, yeah, I've never seen Titanic in my life. Wow. That's kind and of I'd never seen one. I'd never seen any Lord of the Rings film, because you guys know I, I don't care for the woods. Right. Yeah. Um, I'd never seen Lord of the Rings until probably about two years ago. Now I've seen them all, and I've seen The Hobbits. I haven't seen Harry Potter. That is kind of crazy. That's a that's a yeah, good one. It's pretty big. Yeah. I I can't think of anything. I don't know. I I I'm sure there's there's major blind spots because I am admittedly really really bad about classic films and stuff. Like going back and watching those movies because I don't have time. I got to watch a hundred movies from this year and, and and whatnot. So I'm sure there's something big that I'm not not thinking about, but nothing comes to mind. I don't Most know. embarrassing movie you've ever seen, Brian. Oh goodness! Uh, I saw the first Twilight movie in theaters. Oh, like, that's pretty. Not good. that bad. But it, that it, bad. In, yeah, no one in knew back defense, then. No one knew better. Dating my wife, so that was a that was a uh, compromise. You know, exactly. Is she you still is married? She team her? Edward or Team Jacob? <laughs> she was Team. Okay, that movie wasn't very good. I'm not going to read these books. I was like, oh, hey, okay, that's why we're getting married. <laughs> <laughs> Will you marry me? Like now? Or? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, okay. Wow. And then you guys got you, you guys got married during New Moon, right? Like <laughs> yeah, during a screening, yeah. just to make sure. No, th- yeah, the midnight screening of the second film to make <laughs> sure that our friends had to choose. Pretty I've hosted. I've, I've hosted story. a Twilight party before at a bookstore. No. All right, well, emceed it. Oh, I've emceed yeah. a Twilight party. That's a job, though. We all have to do things we hate for our jobs. So <laughs> I know. It's, it's okay. I think I've told this story college, before, college. but Twilight movie was the uh, was the one where it was a room full of women and me, and then this really tubby comic book nerd guy who was sitting in the front. And he says, as he's walking in, he's like, I'm only here to see the Harry Potter preview. And uh, we're like, okay, sure, dude, whatever. And he sits down, and, uh, you know, two or three trailers in, here's Harry Potter, it was probably for the seventh film i would guess in the series maybe the sixth i don't know whatever the year was the preview comes on it ends he stands up and says welp see you later and just walks out it's like it's so sad this guy hasn't heard of the internet i know i know it was a very strange it was a very strange thing but i i almost wanted to get up and applaud him i was like really way to stick to your gun sir crazy (laughs) that is crazy yeah that used to be a thing back in the day i remember uh What's that one with Brad uh, – Meet Joe Black. That was the first movie that had the uh, the Phantom Menace trailer attached to it. So it got like this huge boost at the box office. It's opening weekend from single male viewers going into to, uh, buying a ticket just so they could see this preview in the pre-YouTube days. Yeah. <laughs> Meet Joe Black. Yeah. Isn't that cool scene where Brad Pitt gets hit by a car? 
I've never seen that, Meet Joe Black, so there's my. Uh, oh, know. it was like a I kind of fun. viral video before there. Okay. You know, back when you actually had to download viral videos because there was sure. a scene of a tall blonde man just getting eviscerated by this car, and people used to say it was like a Faces of Death, you know, type thing. And uh, like, oh, okay. that's that's from Meet Joe Black. Like Meet Joe Black. Okay, you can tell because it's very professionally I, shot. So there's not yeah. a film crew. Just filming this intersection where this handsome blonde man <laughs> just gets laid out. Uh, people are smart. We're moving I like right along we here. Just, yeah, I like how we just filled 20 to 30 minutes of uh, movie news talk with absolute rubbish. <laughs> yeah. there's just, there's, listen, guys, there's nothing out there. There's no news worth talking about than, other than what we've just brought out. But we, that was pretty solid banter we just did, guys. I'm, I'm impressed. Before we talk about Fury, guys... And I just want to sort of gauge y'all's thoughts on the remainder of the year in movies. Let's let's preview a little bit of what we have coming out uh, later or for the rest of 2014. I just want to ask you, Ryan, first off, what, what are you most looking forward to uh, the rest of the year? Yeah, my number one is Interstellar. I, I'm really stoked about that. And I, I'm trying my absolute best not to find out anything more than I already know. Uh, I just I, – I want to – the trailers have just completely blown me away. That Christopher Nolan to me is the uh, – is probably my, my favorite director working right now. And uh, I'm loving the McConaissance and, and uh, Jessica Chastain. Like there's – even having Anne Hathaway in that movie could not – sway me you know i'm just so stoked about it so i'm i'm going out of my way like if i see a tweet that even kind of mentions interstellar i fly by it i don't want to know anything more than i already do i'm I'm just i'm really into that one yeah richard uh yeah interstellar is up there inherent vice is up there as, as, as well documented on the podcast um the interview is up there uh in terms of personal anticipation you know i i don't have like a a personal anticipation for unbroken uh but Mm -hmm. i I know it's gonna be really good it's gonna be one of those once i see it i think i'll really like it uh it's just not i'm not counting down the days anything like i am to the other three what else do we have uh yeah interstellar is probably it's probably a tie right now between interstellar and inherit vice for richard's most anticipated film of winter uh which everyone knows is is always trending on twitter but uh, Kent, what about you? What do you? Uh, what do you? Super, yeah. What, what's your personal like super psyched? Personally, it's it's a little bit weird. One I'm really stoked for. I'll mention in a second. But coming out this weekend is uh, Birdman. Oh yeah, and we're getting probably birdies. the one that I've that's become most excited for because just because of the buzz about it right now and just what it what it has become in the film uh, film festival circuit and everything. You know, American Treasure, Michael Keaton. What more can you say? Yeah, honestly. Yeah. So uh, I've heard great things about it. Honestly, he was on Keaton was on David Letterman uh, last week, and two American treasures talking for twenty minutes doesn't that, that started suck, off but, together. If the listeners don't know, they were a comedy team in the uh-huh. uh, late seventies, early eighties. So that's uh, always cool to see them together. But they seriously talked about on, honestly for the whole twenty minutes just about this movie Birdman and. Oh my God, this movie Birdman, you know, it's like mm. there, Keaton was just so flattered to even be a part of it. You know, I, I'm really looking forward to our review uh, of Birdman, but my real, honestly, most anticipated has become the, the Hobbit, uh, battle of five armies. Mm. Really looking forward to seeing how that trilogy wraps up. Brian, I'm sure you have similar feelings. Yeah. Very excited. And I think it'll be, I, 
more than anything with that one, I'm almost, I think I'm more excited that having the entire thing to be able to put together will make the, the first two feel more complete and, and therefore better. You know, I, I think when we yeah. can look at it as a, an, a complete nine hour long movie, I think it will be a, a little bit better than, than what we've given it to this point. Because I was dis- I was a little disappointed in the second uh, the second Hobbit movie, and I really liked the first one, but I but I know a lot of people weren't as high on it as I was, and uh, as a huge fan of the Hobbit, I mean that's my favorite book. We've talked about it numerous times. Uh, I, I'm really excited to see how it closes out and and the way in which it all comes together. I am too, and I think it'll be similar to how people started to feel about Fellowship of the Ring after it was all said and done. They kind of started yeah. to look back and be like, man, that one's. Was really good, you know. Totally, yeah. I feel like that that movie has grown so much more, or at least the admiration for it has grown so much more since the trilogy wrapped up. And I think that yeah. that first Hobbit movie is gonna it's gonna be the same. I think that it was really strong. Yeah, uh, unexpected I, journey was really strong. I agree with you. What's What's interesting is like I'm looking at all the, at the calendar and. I can't remember – there are several films that I'm really excited about, but I can't remember a, a film slate in the holidays that is as – I don't want to say weak, but there's just not a – just a ton of movies that are going to come out that are wide releases that I think people are going to get excited about. You know, you've got Hunger Games coming out right before Thanksgiving, but oh, after about that, that yeah. there's really not another big movie hitting theaters until – Maybe Exodus, which is December 12th, but I don't know that that's going to play that well. So you really don't have a huge movie between uh, Hunger Games and The Hobbit, which is – it's almost a month between those those two films. And we'll get a limited in hair advice, and we're really excited about that. Horrible Bosses 2, Exodus, but it's it's strange. You usually feel like that time is jam-packed with movies. And even Christmas this year... You've only got three wide releases, and Unbroken is going to dominate. But um, yeah. I don't know that. I don't know how well the interview is going to do. And and Into the Woods seems to me like it could get lost in the in the Unbroken shuffle because I think families are going to see that one yeah. maybe over. I, I will Into say, um, Into the Woods. I don't think we've mentioned on the show other than in passing, but I just re- I, pro- I might be the only one on Earth to not be not look forward to to Into the Woods. Oh, I'm okay. with you at all. I really don't don't care to see that. It's like Maleficent, but worse. As yeah, far I'm with as you. anticipation. I, I just don't care. I, I t- I'm totally with you. I don't care for this. Uh, and and, it, and it's ma- they're making tons of money, so I I can't fault uh, Disney or whoever else is involved for for making them. But Maleficent and Alice in Wonderland, these uh, kind of classic. Still really, cla- yeah, yeah, all that sort of stuff. I classic stories coming to life like this. I don't care. I don't care about any of them. I just, again, I think I made this point um, maybe last year. But what focus groups are saying we need more fairy tales? We need more live action fairy tales. I mean, they're making to tons of money, so you got to yeah. keep, you know, you got to keep feeding the beast. Alice in Wonderland is a is to me is a really not. This a looks good to movie be a culmination all. of every Disney movie plus some. Aesop's Fables. Jack, it's got Jack and the Beanstalk mixed in yeah. into the woods. Does I just don't know what they're going for. I mean, who knows? It might win Best Picture. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I say that and it'll win Best Picture. But I, I gotta say, if if Unbroken is anything at all, what what it can be, 
it'll be it'll, it'll be a very big player and come late in the year. Um, yeah, it's good yeah, news it's for just... Boyhood. Boyhood's kind of keeping its buzz going because mm-hmm. uh, the yeah. late slate hasn't been as, as strong. And you it's imagine fine with that, me. right? And I would imagine it'll get a late uh, a re-release at some point towards the holidays, and that that will I think that may push it back into the forefront a little bit too. This is definitely feeling like a year where uh, it's not going to be a, a bigger budget film that comes away with this best picture. I, I think I feel like we're talking more about Boyhood and Birdman. I feel like and, it's going to be between Boyhood and Birdman for sure, but we haven't seen Interstellar yet. So Yeah, and Interstellar. Interstellar could totally crash the party, but after Gravity last year, I just kind of feel like I don't know that that's going to happen, you know? Like Gravity right. was such a such an incredible film and such a ridiculous in theater experience and, you know, it won some awards obviously, but it didn't win this picture. You're and right. So- and and something we talked about last year, which we I never personally really took into account, is you have to imagine how how these films translate on a DVD screener. Yep. Which Gravity does not translate, I'm sure. Totally does. Yeah, it's it's I it's seeing a different you're seeing a different movie if you're watching that on on DVD than if you and Twelve Years a Slave I'm sure translated pretty well onto yeah. a DVD so yeah. you know it's just one, something that, you have it, to deal that, with that does make a difference so that that uh, Boyhood has that going for it you know that will play not quite the same way it did in the theater because I I do think there's some theatrical aspects to that that would that we benefited from from seeing it the way we did but. Uh, it's not going to be the same. You're not losing what you're losing in Gravity or what you're going to lose in Interstellar going from theater to uh, to DVD or screener or whatever. Yeah. Right now, the uh, Best best Director Award is at least – it's Linklater's to lose at this point. At this yeah, point so. in the year, mid-October. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other film we, we ought to bring up that is definitely going to play is Foxcatcher. I think that's yes. the uh, – if, if I had to – to say right now, I, I would put that would be the third or fourth movie on the list of of legitimate uh, best picture contenders with with Birdman, with Boyhood, and I'm I'm guessing Unbroken is going to get a lot of push. I've heard you know the buzz on, on Inherent Vice isn't, isn't greatness, but it is PTA. So if that kind of gets mm-hmm. on momentum too, it on my list that is on our side on updates. Uh, I had Foxcatcher, Boyhood, Birdman, Fury, which we are talking about. Uh, Gone Girl, Grand Budapest, Inherent Vice, Interstellar, Unbroken, and Wild, starring the mm. Reese Witherspoon, which is getting pretty good buzz in the film festival yep. circuit as well, at least uh, for her performance. Yeah. So I think you, yeah, I think you can add. And I have American uh, Sniper on honorable mention. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's that could be a big player. I think you could add to the list of potential contenders. The at least on some level, the imitation game, the Benedict Cumberbatch uh-huh. movie. I saw a preview for that today, yeah. and that that's definitely a something that uh, is going to get that kind of attention. It's opening the Lone Star Film Festival here in uh, Fort Worth in a couple weeks, and they have a pretty good history of uh, bringing in films that end up playing uh, that time of year. And Whiplash the theory of too. everything, yeah, Whiplash, the theory of everything that. Uh, the Stephen Hawking movie mm-hmm. could uh, could yeah. be something as well. So yeah, we're getting a lot apparently. of really solid, uh, really solid indie films and, and smaller films. Just not a lot to look forward to from a mainstream. Here's what the audiences are going to see. Well, sort of slate. Well, that's because uh, the, all the studios are making superhero movies. So that's yeah, what pays sure. the bills. We're yep. making movie for we're making movies for Asia, mm, and then yep. 
all the indies are making movies for America right now. So that's just how it is. I think that's how it's. I think we're going to see more of that. I think we'll yep. have a few kind of tentpole movies a year for adults, but uh, I think the majority of it's going to be for teenagers and and for you know foreign markets, which you can't argue with them because that's where they make money. Right. Right. At the end of the day, it's the business. I think that kind of wraps it up. This week for movie news, rumor, jumbling. Honestly, Thank it was God. it was a, a slow week. <laughs> uh, we could sort of look ahead this week into what's upcoming uh, instead of talking about what's happening right now because uh, it's pretty much nothing. Yep. So on that note, let's move on and let's talk David Ayer's Fury. They're coming. How many? Three hundred of them. The tanks busted. We never run before. Why are we gonna run now? I'm gonna hold this crossroad. What are you doing? Oh, I'm staying here with you. I will let Brian Gill kick it off this week. Brian, what did you think of Fury? Save spoilers for later. General thoughts. Uh, what are they? I, this is a movie that I was I was excited about. I like I like war movies. I like World War II as a setting for for film. Uh, I'm a big David Ayer fan, and and. Uh, and Brad Pitt, I think, can be a – I can get really excited about a Brad Pitt movie. There are times when I feel like he is – not just feel like he, – he can be limited as far as his range. But when he is in his wheelhouse, he's a very, very good actor. Um, so I was excited about it, and I it it, it didn't hit the mark for me. Um, I, I know that it's doing very well, Rotten Tomatoes, and, and maybe one or both of you guys uh, – really liked this and I, and I kind of hope that's, that's how it is. Um, I wrote a review for it and, and mostly had people tell me that I was wrong. So that's totally fine. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what this whole thing is about is, is opinions. I appreciate one of the things I like about David Ayer is that he is very committed to whatever, uh, whatever his subject matter is, whatever the tone is, whatever he feels like the story within the story is that needs to be told. He is very dedicated to that. And, uh, I think it works really, really well in training day. It works. I think it works really, really well in fast and furious. Even, I mean, those are two completely different kinds of movies, but, they both work for some of the same reasons, I think, as, at least as far as scripting goes. And I thought his work on End of Watch was really good. And again, because he, it felt like a movie that was committed to what it was doing. Um, Fury is definitely in that same sort of uh, sort of vein. Like this is, it's committed to showing what it is trying to show. Uh, but it doesn't work for me. It just didn't quite hit the hit the mark. There's just something kind of off. And we can go into specifics in a little bit, but um, this is such a dark and dreary and uh, bleak movie that at some point I just kind of found myself backing off and kind of checking out a little bit. And uh, I would think that's not really what what uh, they're trying to to get out of me. Not to mention there are some – again, we'll go into specifics in a minute, but there are some scripting and – there are just some beats that feel very, very cliche and familiar that I think I expect a little more out of air than what uh, was given on that. Not a bad movie at all, but it's it's not going to be one that I'm. It, it disappointed me compared to what I, you know, my my expectation, my anticipation going in. Richard, Brian, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I, I didn't want to because I I share the same anticipation when I read your review. Fortunately, I read your review before going in, which I, I try not to do, but I, I did. 
And but I I still you know as you know I don't like you so I wanted to <laughs> you know this is a movie that really struggles with your I think an identity in a way um, I'll say some positives before you know I really admire Brad Pitt for throwing his kind of considerable very well very considerable star power behind this kind of movie when I think yeah. he could do much easier things and I think he definitely I I don't. You know, he doesn't do a – and there's nothing wrong with this because I enjoy it. But he doesn't do a Rob Lowe type career where he just has a 20, 30-year career on how, how pretty he is. Um, mm-hmm. And he's gorgeous. Well, we'll just face facts. But he, he – I mean he just looks wonderful on the screen. But he doesn't necessarily build his career around that. And I, he does movies like this which don't have a whole lot of glamour to them, which uh, you know aren't kind of – huge tentpole summer movies always that there's some character work too. I mean, he's not Gary Oldman, but he's perfectly capable of, and I think an often a very good actor. So I should say that before guy, I, I really like that. He, he does movies like this and he's kind of a throwback in that way. That being said, I'm just going to trash this. No, I, I'm not going to trash it. Cause it's not a bad movie. Um, there's some interesting performance in it, performances in it. But like I said at the beginning, there's some identity issues here where it, it kind of fluctuates between, Wanting to be, in my opinion, this uh, hyper-realistic, this is what war is, mm-hmm. film. And then this sort of almost comic book version of that. And, you know, it walks the line between something like Apocalypse Now and something like Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. In a weird way. In a way where from scene to scene, I don't know what's coming from a total st- standpoint. There's parts of this where I felt very engaged and there were parts of this it, on both fronts. Like there were kind of the more pulpish scenes, which I found engaging in the way they were shot. And I thought that was kind of cool. And I found uh, there were some scenes that were kind of very realistic, hyper-realistic and gritty and oftentimes kind of downright gross that I enjoyed too. But uh, I just – as on the whole, it just kind of left me a little, a little empty. And uh, you know, it's not a complete misfire, but it's not a – you know, it's it's – Worse than the sum of all of its parts, which is not something you normally say. Yeah, it's interesting. it's one of the ones I was actually kind of looking forward to this conversation. That, you know, much more than movie news because this is something I think it's a movie definitely worth talking about, and it's it's got some really interesting things to say. Uh, but I didn't think it said them in any sort of unique way. I'm not one of these kind of. I sound super millennial, where it's like, you know, look, we get how bad war is, you know, kind of thing. I'm not trying to say that at all, but it's just like. We need to figure out a. It didn't go anywhere original with that, and I didn't really, you know, it just felt like the unedited in parts an unedited history film, and then also in some parts like this weird comic book, comic book version of World War Two, mm. uh, which I didn't understand which one it was trying to be. So that's kind of my uh, point. I'll talk more about that as we get into the spoilers, but uh, that was kind of my take. Kent, what about you? Yeah, I think um, overall. I would say, in my opinion, pretty impressive effort, considering written and directed by David Ayer. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he was going for this masterwork like Steven Spielberg did with with no. Saving Private Ryan. Like, There's I'm going to I'm going to go this. get hire all these consultants, and I'm going to make this exactly the way it was in the photographs and every detail. Mm-hmm. You know, this is very DIY. I'm going to tell the story of these four, these four guys in this 
one person that they've adopted on this one tank for three days in the war. And that's going to mm-hmm. be it. Uh, it was pretty mm-hmm. – it was much smaller scale than I had anticipated it being, which, which I thought it had going for it. Uh, another yeah. thing it had going for it was just telling the story of tank warfare – which was something that I, while watching the movie, I was like, I can't believe this hasn't been done, at least done well in the past 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Because it's such an obvious thing. It's so cinematic in, in every way. I mean, there are scenes in other war movies. I, I get that. And in that aspect, I found it very original. And just, I had never seen, t- like, from inside of a tank for an entire movie's battle scenes. Mm-hmm. Was quite. I, I thought I found myself pretty entertained by that stuff, but I agree um, with the non-original uh, outlook on uh, on warfare. The only thing I found original about it was they're telling a story that hasn't doesn't really get told ever. I mean, we've seen the yeah. uh, fighter squadron movie a hundred <laughs> times. We've seen the battalion mm-hmm. that. Uh, is stuck out in the wilderness on their own a hundred times. I'd never really yeah. seen this kind of movie before, which, you know, <laughs> leaving the theater was what I liked about it the most. I was like, man, that was, I've never seen a tank movie before. So that's, mm-hmm. that's the best, maybe the best tank movie I've seen, but not the right. best World War II movie I've seen, not the best acted movie of the year so far. Um, yeah. Solid David A. I mean, it's, it's on par a little bit better than end of watch maybe, but end of watch was, you know, it came out last year or two years ago or last year. Two years. Two years ago. And um, people were talking about it for about two weeks and then never really – at the end of the year, never really, – I think, I think it got a few Oscar noms for technical categories, cinematography maybe or something like that. But it never never really was up, was up to that par. But, I mean, I, I, I felt pretty strong about a lot of this movie other than just atypical – World War Two type of movie, which yeah. I expected going in, so it really didn't offend me. But I agree, I, we need some some way to tell a, a a war story in a new and fresh way. I mean, mm-hmm. I wish Terrence Malick hadn't done hadn't done uh, Thin Red Line when he did, yeah. Because I need somebody like up. him yeah. to take on one of these projects, yeah, and and see what comes. I of thought it. Uh, you know the the one that that sticks out. The further we get away from it, I think uh, I at least I think is is a really a great great movie is is the Hurt Locker, yeah. and um and I mean obviously that's not like that's an original. You know I've decided, guys, this is a great <laughs> movie. No, I just mean yeah. more more than I even that I, personally I even thought um sure. at the time because it's it's like this and i i totally agree with your point ken i'm I'm really glad you made it that it is sort of a micro story as opposed to a macro story that spielberg would tell and that is really cool about this movie and i i i I failed to to bring that up and i'm glad you did and And it never once even i guess generally says based on a true story so it doesn't even try to be based on a true story you know it's like which i appreciated they don't if you're gonna go that route go that route and go all out on it the spielberg way but um, he didn't do that, which I I kind of liked. But don't because Spielberg did it. And it's not yeah. going to be very. That's right. good. <laughs> no, yeah. you're right. And that's true. It's not trying to be that. I just kind of felt like there were notes of a lot of different things in there that I couldn't. Yeah. Really wrap my brain around and and it just it was just kind of uh, it left me a little blank leaving. I didn't dislike it at all though. My grade will be better than you think because yeah. I think the execution is really strong. 
Um, and I think Air directed the crap out of this movie in a in a yeah, good way. I agree. Yeah. I think we should move into more spoilery thoughts, um, specific uh, reasons and, and such. So sure. I guess we can go. Should go into spoilers just to save save face for uh, people that hate us after they listen to this. <laughs> so, um, Brian, let's go ahead and talk about, um, I guess, missed beats in, sure. in your opinion or missed opportunities. Yeah. I mean, y- you kind of touched on it. Can't the, I, and we, we've talked about it now. I, I love, I love the idea of telling a story, a world war two story, but basing it in a tank that that's a unique approach. And then, but as we get further in, like you just get more and more. It, it bothered me that we have this unique situation, and it's it is doing something that I I haven't ever I don't think I've ever seen before, at least as far as like a you know telling the story from the perspective of a tank crew. But pretty much all the action sequences, except for one, the the, the scene where they there's three Shermans lining up against one German Tiger tank. Yeah. That's an awesome scene. Like that was a just a fantastic action sequence, in my opinion. Other than that, I felt like we're just kind of hitting the notes of what you get in a mm-hmm. standard war movie, and I, that that kind of bothered me. Not kind of bothered; it did. It, it frustrated me that um, he's he's got the subject matter, and I think he came up with a great idea and a great story. And Richard, you're totally right. He fantastic from a directing standpoint. Like he really worked it. And uh, and did a lot of stuff with it, but the story just just is so um, at least as far as like the broad strokes are so paint by numbers that it, I was disappointed in that, and I, I felt like we could get more from from what we've got here. My other thing is I, I mentioned in my my opening remarks just how bleak and grim it is, and I can handle dark films, and you know. Uh, Saving Private Ryan. I, I hate to keep bringing Saving Private Ryan up because it's. Not I'm going to bring it up a couple more times. It, There's a couple more comparisons I can yeah, make I, to it. But it should be said, it's not fair to compare other war movies to Saving Private Ryan because, from a modern film standpoint, that is the standard. Like that's a masterpiece of a film, and it's really, it's really not fair to ask other war movies, World War II movies. It's going to happen. Be, it's like we're going to compare every superhero movie to the Avengers forever, right, probably, right. until but, something else comes out. You know, yeah, like, but I feel like it should be said. It's, that's not fair, but yeah. Saving Private Ryan, <clears throat> excuse me, is one of my ten favorite movies, and and one that I would say is one of the, for me, would, would get a vote for one of the ten best movies uh, of all time. That is a really dark movie, and it's not just because of the that opening 15 minutes where people's literally their bodies are being blown apart and all the horrific things about war that happen in that the entire point of that movie is how this guy has been haunted by the for his entire life has been haunted for the fact by the fact that these guys gave up their life to save him like that is a that is a really dark thing to to take in, honestly, you know, when it, when, when you're looking at the very end of that movie, when you're looking at this old dude, who's been, you know, this is, he's been living with this for 50 years and you can see it in his eyes. Like that's really dark and bleak, but it's a great film. And it's one of my, it's one of my favorite films of all time. Um, this one, it's not, I think the idea is of fury is to like show the horrificness of war and 
and to show the the toll that that takes on the humanity of those involved. And I get that, and that is definitely a story worth telling. But I don't feel like that came through so much as it was. What I'm trying to say is like these. This story needed to be set at least as far as like where the characters are. I don't know, six months or a year before this, so that you see them wrestling with with the loss of their humanity. Um, because instead, what you get here is especially with the John Barenthal Bernthal uh, character. Uh, it's he's just so far gone. And I think most of the rest of them are, are in that same boat. He's so far gone that there's nothing to hold on to. There's, you can't sympathize with the characters or uh, latch on to anything. There's no good left in any of these mm-hmm. people. And um, and you can you can t- you can make a movie like that. You can have characters that are that are unrelatable or unlikable. But I don't think you can do that effectively for me, at least while also trying to make a movie about how these guys have been changed. Like those two things don't go together in my opinion, Mm -hmm. at least as far as this film is going. So I get what it was trying to do. And everybody who has commented to me uh, based on my review after, you know, since then has, has basically said that. And I, I understand that that is the theme that the movie is trying to drive home, but it doesn't work for me with three out of the five main characters at least. If not yeah. four out of the five, I think yeah. Shia LaBeouf was incredible in this movie, right. and I would have killed for his part to be bigger because I felt like he was the only one who really, you really got both sides of what is happening here. Um, but these other characters, I, it's not that I was rooting against them, but they're not. I did not want to be in a room with them anymore, you know. And that's, I think, that's a problem for as far what this film's going for. That was a long rant, but. Um, yeah, I just it, it missed the mark on that for me. I think really, uh, at least what I got out of it, this is really just a coming of age movie uh, centered around Logan Lerman's character mm-hmm. um, during the war, and all these people he's been forced to be around. You know, when he gets assigned to the to the Fury uh, crew or tank, yeah, they're all men already. Yeah, and he's a kid, and they say. Their job is basically, all right, we got to turn you into a man. You better turn into a man quick because war is for men, not for boys, right. you know, type thing. Yeah. Which, and I think that's where you're going with the so far gone. Uh, they're just so not phased by war anymore. They just don't, they don't care anymore. You know, it's mm-hmm. like they've been doing this for so long. They've been killing whatever Brad Pitt says, Germans in three different countries. For me, they're just so burned out. Uh, for yeah. more, they're almost like changed human beings. I don't, I don't want to say like they have PTSD yet because they're still in war. But you know what I mean? Like they're just right. fried yeah. from war. That's that's yeah, the totally impression I that. got, and they play yeah. that really well. John Bernthal's a extremely talented actor who we've seen in The Wolf of Wall Street last year had an appearance. He's in Walking Dead, and, and I mean he's going to be a player in the next few years. Uh, is one of the top, you know. At least character actors that we have. I mean, Shia LaBeouf, though. God. I mean, this this not a big part. I mean, this yeah. is the fourth lead in this, or third or fourth lead, and he didn't shower for like three months. Like, <laughs> he just... You would have done that his, anyway, though. No, I mean, his... <laughs> this is a method actor 
if we've ever seen one, at least for people his age. I mean, it's a pretty rare thing now for people to go that all out for, like you said, Richard, parts this small and things this different. But uh, I've always liked Shy. I root for him. It's just crazy the path he's gone down in the in the last few years. But he was good. Good choice of words. Good in this movie. <laughs> yeah. I have not ever liked Shia LaBeouf, and this was a role that – and, a, and a, a performance that swayed my opinion, which is rare for me. Like I'm a pretty stubborn old man, and I'm stuck in my ways, and this was one that made me think, okay, I'm I'm interested in what that guy's going to do in the next five years, and I've never been that way with him before. He's got some walking Phoenix in him, and if he can just kind of yeah. temper his uh, – eccentricities uh then in the right direction i think you're totally right i think he can be um like we've gotten the best out of walking phoenix the last few years there might be a little burst like that out of the beef um but uh he's got a little more i think eccentricities to him but he's no doubt talented like one of those people where you know there's child stars like that 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 you know they they were child stars because they were just like really charismatic kids and they turn into really charismatic adults that have a lot of talent and that's mm-hmm. you kind of forget that sometimes uh because of all the uh Leif Garrett's of the world boom nailed it um <laughs> I'm going for a record guys um but uh yeah no he was he was outstanding i thought extremely outstanding one thing i felt this movie was trying to hammer home was the just the grit and grime of war? Just, yeah, hammer home. How, how, yeah, that's how, a good way to put it. <laughs> how, how much mud is in this movie? Yeah, <laughs> every other shot is of the the tank rolling through mud, or rolling over a body through mud, or you know, uh, people crawling through mud. It was just this movie was so dirty. It was mm-hmm. it was crazy. I just never pictured. I never thought of that when I thought of the of war, especially World War Two, but. I mean, that's probably something that was very true. I mean, it's disgusting, the conditions that these people lived in and operated in uh, yeah. during that time. It's, it's crazy. The one scene I think we should talk about that's sort of different than than the rest of this movie is the uh, the scene where, where Brad and Logan, uh, Lerman's character, sort of go into this house. Yeah, the apartment scene. The apartment scene. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thoughts on that? Uh, it it kind of ruined the movie for me, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Like I I think, um, I think that illustrates my point of trying to drive home a point that we get. Like we understand this point, and no one's debating it. And if that scene would have been five minutes shorter, then I think that it would have benefited the movie significantly. It just it. It it would not stop. I felt like that yes. scene lasted for forty five minutes. Yeah. It was uncomfortable, and it was it was borderline painful to watch. It wasn't the beats weren't right. It's uncomfortable because of what's happening, the content, what's happening on screen. And so I, I understand that. That's that's what you're supposed to have if you're trying to to push that. And I I, I get that. But it was also – I didn't feel like the beats were right. It, it took a really long time to set up the scene mm-hmm. and that kind of drove me a, a little bit crazy. You felt like it was at a close and then it just – it hadn't even really started yet and it just kept going. And I found that – I found it to be excruciating and it was 
I I'm won't lie, like it was very difficult for me to check back in after after that sequence. Um and that I think that's a major I think my grade might be significantly higher if that scene is cut out entirely. I I don't know. I yeah. I felt like we got the point across throughout the rest of the film without that. And that's the scene that pushed everything that we're, that we're trying to get in across in this movie, it just pushed it over to the edge of, okay, now I don't care anymore. Now um, it, this is too far gone. I think it, the point of the scene where it needed to stop was when the rest of the crew comes up to the stairs, starts yeah. knocking on the door to, oh, eat, to eat with them. Uh, that's when it went too far. It should have stopped yeah. whenever Logan Lorman, or Brad Pitt hooks him up with that girl, and yeah. uh, they go in the room, and then the scene ends. And that's that should have that should have been where it ended, but it, it oh, went on man. easily five minutes too long. You're correct, yes, uh, Brian. Richard, any thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I know. What, uh, let me just say, I know what they were trying to do. Yeah, give yeah. a little background, kind of show us who these characters are, personality right. wise. Like that's the scene where Michael Pena is sort of the only place he can come out. As goofy, I guess. Uh, Bernthal is just a straight oh, D-bag uh, in every way. And Brad Pitt's sort of this father figure or uh, father figure to Logan Lerman's character, but just I'm going to stick up for my boys type of guy, you know. Um, yeah. I got that. I, I know what they were trying to do there, but the execution yes. was, was was bad. It was. I totally agree. Richard. Yeah, no, I you know, I'm not going to say anything. Brian, you, you did a great job way too long and took me out of a movie took me out of the movie like trying to figure out why they wouldn't edit that down like i spent 10 minutes after that scene being like right yeah we we were just watching (laughs) tanks destroy each other (laughs) yeah and now we've stopped down for an egg salad sandwich in a german town i just didn't and a little bit rapey yeah yeah it was hmm. it it did it stopped down the entire flow of the movie for me i think it was trying to be kind of the uh like the Bar scene from Ingoria's Bastards. It was, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and Brad Pitt so, being in this movie didn't help my comparisons to that any. No, you know? <laughs> and, and and it's just kind of like you know David Ayer's good, but you're not. We can sit and listen to Quentin Tarantino dialogue for thirty right. minutes, forty minutes, eighty minutes, because that's pretty much all his movies are. But yeah, he's not gonna. He's not a type that can take an egg salad sandwich and make a uh, a scene about around it. Right, <laughs> not at all. Uh, I will say though. A lot of the the warfare scenes, uh, I feel like were scripted very well. The lingo used mm-hmm. and stuff was, I mean, felt felt accurate to me. Uh, sure. For some, not for somebody who I haven't seen a lot of tank warfare from from World War II footage, but I, I feel like um, I've got some bootlegs I can send over. <laughs> okay, good. I've been been on the black market for those for a while and haven't been able to locate any. They're on Laserdisc, um, though. Is that cool? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My tank discs. <laughs> a lot of them have the movie Tank Girl on them, too, though. So <laughs> be careful. Nice. Sweet. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like, um, that that was just a little bit uh, yeah. crazy to me. But I think that's part of the issue, though, is, like, it's there are moments when it's, like, this is really trying to be an authentic war piece that has something to say, and then... There would be stuff where you're like, okay, that's just that's just silly, or that's just like very generic war movie, and so that that's kind of the tonal issues that Richard was talking about. Where it's like, what what are we trying to do here? Are we are we trying to be 
a blockbuster war movie or are you trying to be – to me, it kept getting stuck between Saving Private Ryan and Thin Red Line and that was an issue. And it, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess we can move on to final thoughts and grades uh, unless you all have any other general topic. You all didn't mention Lerman at all. What did you all think of him or what do you think of him? I uh, I'm a little colder on him than most as like this emerging star, but I'm I'm willing to be persuaded. Um, he lacks kind of a a little. <clears throat> he's a little Jeremy Renner-ish to me. Mm. Hmm. He lacks a little charisma for me. I, it's hard to tell in this type of movie, honestly. Yeah, I feel like he I, did a pretty good job, though. I guess of becoming the man that he wanted trying to be in the movie. Oh, he's a very I mean, he's very actor. very nerdy in the beginning. And uh, overcomes that, I guess. But he has chops, I will, in my opinion. Uh, from This is all I've seen him in, by the way. I, I, I had no idea who this guy was. He, until. he was good in Noah. I thought he was better in Noah oh, than you're he, right. was, he was in, was in this. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's got some talent. I will say this is – that role uh, – I think that was the – that was a role that was going to be pretty difficult to make uh, – to make really good, to make stand out, I guess, as compared to – some of these these other not just because of the actors that he's going up against, but that character is a little a little vanilla compared to some of the others, and that's done purposefully. But it's just hard to stand out, I guess, and, in that. that role. And his job isn't he a typist? Isn't yes. there a scene in Saving Private Ryan where the guy tries to bring his typewriter with him? Yes. to uh, war. That's the, but, come on. Yeah, and and not to get too far into the could you know is any of this realistic whatsoever but the idea that he would be thrown into a tank from a typist pool into a tank yeah. is is insane that it may you know it, it's possible the the saving private ryan bit is that they needed a translator and that's why yeah. the typist gets pulled in and that that makes sense and and that was executed much better that i tried really hard with this one not to just not to go down that route you know of getting too into is that even realistic at all i try not to and it's better off if you if you watch it from that view yeah there's a lot of look there's a lot of liberties taken with any movie that have you know that has like uh historical pull to it but there are shades of doing that and this one i think it really took a lot of liberties let's let's just leave it at that yeah and they plant seeds here a couple times specifically they say you know brad pitt's character they say he's known German since before the war. They never explain why he learned mm-hmm. German, that he married a German girl and he learned it for her or anything like that. Never really explain certain things like that about the characters yeah. that I found. They never yeah. really delve into much of their backgrounds, which is what you need in a war yeah. movie. We we really could have used some actual character development instead of just meeting these people at a certain point in their development. And then that's, that's where we're going to stay at. Cause the whole movie takes place over like three days. So they're not really yeah. developing. It's, it's an, I feel like that was a, that's a bit of a misstep as well. Like that could have, that could have been better. I, I don't know. This whole movie to me could have been better on a lot of fronts that it has the, it has the potential to be, and it just yeah. doesn't quite ever do that. That's probably the biggest frustration I have with it on a general sense is that, mm-hmm. um, it, it, you know, there's movies that are, this movie's not going to get a bad grade for me and there's, but there's movies that get that same grade and I'm fine with, cause I feel like that is the potential of that subject matter or script or whatever. And this has potential 
I think to be great, and it's only kind of good. Yeah, so so I'm gonna I'll criticize it more like I didn't like it, and that's actually not the case. Um, but it just kind of left me a little like, oh, yeah, you know, like a guy threw a fastball down the middle and you only got a double out of it. Sure, um, kind of thing. It feels like a movie, and you know, this is again uh, to be determined till later in the year. But it feels like a movie right now that did just enough to get a nomination, but not enough to win, like not even close enough to enough to win. Mm. Like if this gets a nomination, be like, okay, I could see why, you know, it's I'd not going to win, but surprised. I could see why, you know, I'd be, I mean, I wouldn't have anything against it. Uh, you know, cause obviously I'm with Brian, like everyone seems to like it more than me. I would be surprised if this got nominated because it doesn't really make a statement and about war in either direction. And I think the Academy would want it to. And I, don't, I, yeah. I personally don't have that issue with it, but I'd be pretty shocked if this got a Best Picture nod. I think this will be. I think you hit the nail on the head, Kent, early in the podcast. Uh, this is a movie that I think people will forget in two weeks. Uh, I don't know yeah. that this is going to get any kind of any kind of nomination when award season hits. We will see. We will have to see. The, the Academy does love war. Maybe Unbroken overshadows it, and that's the one that gets. The, yeah, war, the war movie that gets the nomination. Another great yeah. point. But totally. we'll have to see. Brett, it's going to be Civil War in the Pitt Jolie household. Yeah, we're going to have to see what kind <laughs> of director Angelina is. Because yep. like we said, I think about Unbroken. If that movie sucks, we know why. Because it's right. shot by Roger Deakins with a script from the Cohen brothers. Yep. Of a story that's too good. I mean, too unbelievable to be true. So Right, right. Uh, We'll, we will have to see. Once again, pretty anticipated. So let's move to grades. I will give Fury a, a B plus. Uh, I will admit, and I have admitted, uh, I was pretty into the aesthetic and the, uh, I, I guess, the visual, what they were going for visually in this movie. And sure. uh, from an action movie standpoint, I was pretty into <laughs> what what the story could have and should have been, uh, but it missed the note as far as characters for me. Uh, didn't didn't make me cry at the end, which movies like this typically should. Uh, when Same. people are dying all the time, you know, you should you should care a little bit. I didn't really, uh, but I will say I will see this. I will watch this movie again sometime. I enjoyed myself watching watching Fury, so I'll give it a B plus. Uh, Richard, go ahead. Yeah, I'm gonna go B minus. So I'll go. I'll go B minus. Definitely, probably worth seeing. I would recommend it to some people. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually encouraged to recommend it to people more because people seem to like it more than more. They people are in the Kent uh, camp more than they're in the Richard and Brian. Yeah, camp. and yep. a few people I have talked to have said, "Man, that was just a wild ride." That's really all they say about it. It's not a life changing <laughs> movie, but it's just a crazy. You spend three days with this crazy, you know, gang of. Um, Gang of soldiers, and that's my really issue it, is so. that at times it, it feels like three days. Yeah, um, <laughs> it actually was yeah. a lot shorter than it, I thought it would be. Honestly, I did not look at the runtime. I think I got out of there in two hours. I was like, "Wow, that was pretty." Yeah, was, it, it's. I thought it would be two fifteen. Okay, yeah. So if you cut out that one scene, then it would have been two hours, right. and it would have been much better. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just thought this was going to be a two forty five er at sure. least, just yeah. because when. And and again, kind of hammers on my point of David Ayer just kind of made this movie. It doesn't feel like it's he's trying to make it his masterwork. If you are, you make it a two hundred two hour forty five war epic. You don't make a two hour oh. 
tank right. action movie. So uh, in context, it makes a little more sense. Brian, what's your grade? Uh, I'm going to agree with Richard. It's it's a B minus for me. There are some really great moments. I think LaBeouf is, is just spectacular, as we mentioned. Brad Pitt was really good, too. I, I, I really wasn't uh, – not so much impressed because I know what he's capable of as opposed to uh, to LaBeouf, but uh, he's very good. And there are some, there's some really good stuff in here, um, but it's not a movie that I will ever want to put myself through again. Like It's just such a grim – grim affair that i i don't know uh, but like richard said there's a most people seem to be liking this more than we do so you know that's that's the way it goes but uh we really miss emails. yeah totally but missed the mark for me and and i'm pretty disappointed in that one more thing i have to mention uh, before we move on to weekly recommends is could they make it any more obvious that they were trying to shoehorn in more shots of the barrel of the gun of the barrel of the tank that says no. fury on it no, that was enough. Every was scene started out with it. Yeah. <laughs> with the thing said that said Fury. Oh, yep, that's the name of the movie. That's that's yep. the movie we're watching. <laughs> yep, it is. Yeah. Uh so that I found that a little heavy handed. Yeah. And I was glad it was there because for like I at one point I fell asleep for a minute and when I woke up I thought I was watching box trolls. So when Fury <laughs> popped back box up again, I it, it uh it really brought you almost me back forget into the that movie. you're in a in the movie, I mean, yeah. until it says Fury. Oh yeah, this is Fury. <laughs> oh, You're that's right. right. Yeah. My bad. You're right. Not right. box trolls. Sorry. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, that I just that had to be said. Sure. Uh, I couldn't not do this episode, and I would kick <laughs> myself for not mentioning that. Uh, one of my main complaints of the movie. So let's move on. Let's hit a quick weekly recommend. Weekly recommend. Guys, I I call dibs on this. Um, Last Friday was the premiere of the HBO series uh, Sonic Highways from American Treasure Dave Grohl, uh, which charts the making of uh, the Foo Fighters' new album uh, called Sonic Highways. And this is basically an extended 10-hour-long version of Sound City, the movie he did, documentary he did. Nothing wrong with that. And, uh, And, you know, the concept behind the album is the Foo Fighters go to a different studio for every song. And uh, each studio is in a different city that, you know, music-wise means something. I guess means something to music culture. So I get so the first episode of the series was in Chicago, and and you know it sort of charts them uh, recording this song in Chicago, but also tells the story of Chicago's music scene uh, from back when music was just first starting, or at least recorded music was uh, until now, and. Dave Grohl basically interviews people from sh- that certain city, you know, musicians from that certain city, and at the end of the session, he writes the lyrics based on his interviews with those people. So each song, I guess, lyrically is inspired by that city or the so people cool. that in the city. So really cool concept for an album. Uh, hand it to Dave Grohl. He he never ceases to amaze me at thinking of ideas. Uh, like the last, I don't know, the last uh, Foo Fighters album, Wasting Light, the deal was I'm going to record this in my garage, literally. Yeah. So they set up a, a recording studio in Dave's garage and it's a great, great record. But, uh, I love that they keep it interesting. This is a very interesting series for anyone who's into music. Uh, Richard, you will love this. Uh, it reminds me of Ken, something Ken Burns did or something just with how far they go back and how detailed they are with a lot of the references and, and stuff they talk about. But, uh, you'll like it too, Brian. You love I'm Sound excited. City. So you I haven't do. watched it yet. I- I haven't watched it yet, uh, but the Foods are one of my favorite bands. American Treasure Dave Grohl is one of my 
favorite musicians and just people in general yeah. ever. Uh, I'm so stoked. In the end this. of the each episode, they they play the song that they recorded, but mm-hmm. they play it like a music video. So basically, Sweet. you get a music video of a brand new song after every episode. They premiere Sweet. them that way. So really cool, very interesting series. It'll be a it'll be a big player at the end of the year for uh, weekly recommends. I'm sure I'll be yeah, recommending a lot of these. So. Check that's it out. Cool. Sonic I think Highways. I'm going to wait till we, till I can rack three or four of them before and yeah. then watch them all together. Man, and it was like I haven't pre-ordered their new album yet. I'm I'm a pretty big fan. I don't have all their albums, but you know, mm-hmm. I I've I've come to know and love the Foo Fighters over the years for sure. And after this middle of this episode I was like, "God, I'm going to have to pre-order it." Like yeah. I've been waiting, I've been delaying it, but I knew as soon as I started watching the show, like I can't not buy the album at this point, yeah, you know. Totally. Uh, but uh yeah, check it out. Brian uh, my weekly recommend is going to be a, another movie I saw this week that I actually really liked, uh, as opposed to Fury. I'm unfortunately seeing it very late in its theatrical run, so uh, this may be a completely obsolete recommend by the end of the week. and may not be able to find it anywhere, but I finally got out and saw The Skeleton Twins with uh, Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig. And I loved it. It's just, it was a it's a very tragic film. Like everything that's happening in it is uh, is could very easily become very depressing. Uh, but Hater and Wig are man, and they're just both so good. Bill Hader is one of the most talented, not just comedians, most talented actors working right now. Like I'm I'm so stoked that it seems like Hollywood has caught on to what a gym he is because he feels like they're getting he's getting more and more opportunities to do different stuff than I think if Bill Hader had come out of SNL 10 years ago, I don't think he would get some of the stuff that he's getting right now. So that's so exciting to me. Um, he, it's very early, obviously, but if I think he has an outside shot at a, at a best actor nominee nomination, he is absolutely spectacular. Uh, and the movie is really good. It's really funny. Um, seeing Hader and wig work together is great, but it's, it's very, it's, it's a dramedy. There's so much, going on that is really uh really heartbreaking and tragic sort of stuff and there's even one of the storylines that doesn't even break until really late in the movie and it's it's kind of a it's kind of a gut punch but man the whole thing is is very well done so like i said i don't know uh how long it will be in theaters if you if it's in your uh if it's in your city right now uh you need to get out to it as fast as you can uh again it's called the skeleton twins and it's really really good Luke Great. Wilson as well. Excellent. Luke Wilson was really good in that too. Yeah. 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 He'll get yep. completely looked over like I just did, but um man, he was very strong in yeoman, the, in his role. Yeoman work. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Sweet. Cool. I, I want to see that one. I'm hoping it comes on demand pretty soon. Looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah. Richard. Yeah, I uh I'm going to uh recommend a, a series. I've only watched one uh so far. Um, that I got a hold of, but it's uh, it's pretty interesting, kind of out there. Um, but I think really good, and, and it's fun to watch actors known for one thing kind of transition. Uh, use that word intentionally, as you'll see. Um, it's a really interesting um, uh, roles later in their career. But Jeffrey Tambor has a new series on Amazon Prime called uh, Transparent mm-hmm. uh, about an older man who uh, decides to have gender reassignment. Uh, surgery or procedure or however you would phrase that and how his family kind of comes to grips with that because he has adult adult children and he's uh it too is kind of a dramedy and and so far some some kind of really kind of beautiful um emotional stuff and then some kind of 
uh, really funny stuff as well. Uh, but Jeffrey Tambor is kind of one of those people that you forget, like, uh, and I know he's an acting teacher um, as well as being an actor, but he's he's uh, he, he's quite he's quite good um, and has kind of been doing supporting TV work for thirty years, and uh, his talent is probably better than that. But uh, you know, keep getting them checks, uh, Jeffrey Tambor. But uh, this is kind of his. You know, this showcases him in a way that he's never been showcased before, and he's uh, uh, kind of wonderful in it. So, uh, I recommend Transparent on Amazon Prime. It's an Amazon original. They're kind of competing with uh, with Netflix, and they've certainly got the budget to do it. Uh, I was talking with with uh, my girlfriend earlier, and it's like, you know, Amazon is a player in in this original content world because unlike a lot of web uh services and devices they actually you know like uh sell something <laughs> so they like you know make money and uh and so they definitely can can put some things uh some budget behind some stuff so they they've gotten off with this and then they have uh the new uh what's that new one alpha house with uh john goodman and and uh mark consuelos and amy sedaris coming out in a couple weeks too that's kind of a political kind of a comedic house of cards um as well, and it's got American Treasure John Goodman in the lead, so it will probably be de- at least decent. So, uh, so Amazon Prime, uh, c- you know, making moves, but I, I definitely recommend Transparent. I think I think both of you would like it. And I think the listeners would like it as well. Sweet, I'll check that well, out. Well, I, I saw, I've heard a lot about it actually. So yeah, yeah, it's getting some buzz. Good for Amazon. Yeah, um, they need more money. They need to make they, more money. They, <laughs> no, they literally do. I've heard they like they don't make a lot of money. Uh, quarter by quarter, just because they basically give stuff away to people to, to keep true. their customers, which I, I've loved. Amazon customer service is great. Uh, just a side yeah. note, I'll recommend Amazon Prime to anybody. Yeah, uh, yeah, get that hookup. Okay, I, a, I need to tell you guys afterwards. I've got you can edit this out, but uh, I've got a funny Amazon story for you guys. Sorry, listeners. Yeah, you sorry, listeners. You don't you don't get to hear this. It's, uh, yeah. Brian Gill, where can I find you online? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 or you can find my writing at canbabiesdrinkredbull.com. Richard, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Richard Barden, or you can find me on the Thought Catalog. Kent, where can I find you? Find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison, and find all our episodes on our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. And uh, find our most recent 100 of those episodes on iTunes, and if you like what you hear, go ahead and give us a five-star review. And on that note, until next week, fellas... I will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.